Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Saints, wanted to talk about rules of engagement, if you will, and order in the house of God concerning being in the family of the Lord and how to operate in the love of God. In Romans chapter 14, we learn, actually it's 14 and 15 of Romans chapters, those two chapters, about non-essentials and not judging other believers concerning things that are not essential to their eternal soul, which the Bible delineates such when it states specifically, for example, in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, 17 specific soul-damning sins. Also, there are other lists of these sins where it says that if anyone is committing these sins, they will not inherit the kingdom of Christ, such as 1 Corinthians chapter 6, etc., Revelation 21, 8. So there are sins unto death, and yet there are other things with Within the family of God practices that are not essential to salvation. So in relation to other believers, Romans 14 deals with important principles to guide God's people in dealing with matters of secondary importance, the believer's Bible commentary notes, and continues, these are the things that so often cause conflict among believers, but such conflict is quite unnecessary, as we shall see. The weak Christian, spoken about here in Romans 14, which we'll read in a moment, is one who has unfounded scruples over matters of secondary importance. In this context, he was often a converted Jew who still had scruples about eating non-kosher foods or working on Saturday, etc. And then finally, it says the first principle is this. A weak Christian should be received into the local fellowship, but not with the idea of engaging him in disputes about his ultra-scrupulousness. Christians can have happy fellowship without agreeing on non-essentials or things not essential to your salvation. Let's go ahead and read some of this chapter. Romans chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Don't dispute with him about the things that are non-essential to salvation that he currently holds on to. And that's one of the things we're going to learn here is that as you grow in Christ, as your knowledge is increased by the study of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working in your life as you abide in Christ, these things are going to change. You're going to be more mature and be able to see them through the eyes of the kingdom of Christ and the word of God. And that's why it's so important that we go through this chapter and talk about these things, because this is concerns the in-house family behavior between brethren. The scripture tells us 12 or 13 times to love 
one another. This will help us to love one another. Notice Romans 14, 2. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. In other words, eating herbs is not essential to salvation. Amen. So that's individual liberty that God gives all of us. Some people like to eat pork, some don't. That has nothing to do with anybody's salvation. I mean, most of us that study health and want to eat healthily, we realize that if a brother or sister is just eating junk food all the time, that's not going to be good for their health. At the same time, it has nothing to do with their salvation, which is in Christ. Verse 3, Romans 14. And I want you to read through Romans 14 yourself, beloved, and pray that God will give you his wisdom. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that thou judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Notice it's kind of like you working at a place. Both you and some other person are employees, and that other person's in right standing with the owner of that company. So it's none of our business to nitpick the details and be a busybody concerning that other person's employment and activities in that company. Verse 5, one man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Again, these are non-essentials. Some people, they insist on going to church on Saturday. I believe some of them are personally just a little bit too strong on that because it has nothing to do with our salvation. Notice Colossians chapter 2, speaking of non-essentials, beginning in verse 14, blotting out, that is Jesus, when he died on the cross, the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow. They merely were a shadow of what the Savior is now the substance of, because he's already come, and he nailed the law to the cross and took it out of our way. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 10:4, Christ is the end, it's over, of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Verse 17, Colossians 2, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind, and not holding the head, that is, not upholding Christ, who is the head of the body, from which all the body, by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of of God. The increase of God comes when we uphold Christ and we do not judge others for things that are not essential to their salvation. Back to Romans 14 verse 5, one man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. In these non-essential saints, we have the individual liberty to see these non-essentials such as what days we do or do not observe, or if we observe any at all, other than every day we honor God, right? Foods we eat, etc. Again, non-essentials. Verse 6, let me just say this. If you don't see it in the list of sins in the Bible, somebody's probably asking themselves at this point in this message a good question, and that's 
hey man, what really are, how do I get a really a definition of what's essential and non-essential? Well, this might help you as far as a resource. Look up Soul Damning Sins. We've got a little book. We also have a post on it with numerous passages in the Word of God, mostly or if not all in the New Testament. And it names soul, the soul damning sins, the things that will damn your soul. You will not enter into the kingdom of God if you're committing those sins. It just shows you're not abiding in Christ. He that abideth in him sinneth not. 1 John 3, verse 5 and 6. That's one way you can have this defined in your mind. It talks about fornication, adultery, murder, all kinds of sins like this. And those are the sins that damn the soul. Those aren't non-essentials. Those right there jeopardize the salvation of the individual. But whatever day you choose to fellowship on or take off or fast on or whatever, whatever food you choose to eat, those things are up to the individual liberty, God-given liberty to the individual believer. It's up to them, not you. And First Peter 4.15 speaks of being busy bodies, which is something that God does not like. In fact, we've got a message, you can look it up, called Learning to Mind Your Own Business. Very important for us as we dwell together as the body of Christ. And how good the scripture says, and how pleasant is it for brethren to dwell together in unity. Hallelujah. Psalm chapter 133, verse 1. Also, Ephesians 4, 3 says, Endeavoring, that it means working diligently, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. God doesn't want us to disturb the unity of the Spirit with things that aren't essential to salvation. Verse 6, Romans 14, He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord. For he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not. And giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself. And no man dieth to himself. We're one body now and forever in Christ. Verse 8. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and the living. And as we read earlier, we're not to hurt the work of Christ in another person's life, saints, for something and concerning something that is not essential to their salvation and concerning the liberty that God gave them to exercise themselves in according to their own conscience, not yours. Verse 10, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Why do you set at naught, stay away from and judge your brother concerning a non-essential, something that's not essential to their eternal salvation in Christ. Verse 11, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore. He's talking about condemning or judging someone for something that's not essential to salvation. And Jesus also said that he condemns hypocritical judgment. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. And yet Jesus said in John 7, 24, judge righteous judgment. Romans 14, 13 is where we are. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Now he's talking about in context with non-essentials. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of it itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. And one believer on this topic said, and on this verse says, Paul knew 
And we know that no foods are ceremonially unclean any longer as they were for the Jews living under the law. The food we eat is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. First Timothy 4, 5 tells us it is sanctified by the word in the sense that the Bible distinctly sets it apart as being good. It is sanctified by prayer when we ask God to bless it for his glory and for the strengthening of our bodies in his service. But if a weak brother thinks it is wrong for him to eat pork, for example, then it is wrong. To eat it would be to violate his God-given conscience. And he says this, when Paul says here that there is nothing unclean of itself, we must realize that he is speaking only of these indifferent matters There are plenty of things in life that are unclean, such as pornographic literature or material of any kind, I might add, suggestive jokes, dirty movies, and every form of immorality. Paul's statement must be understood in the light of the context he's speaking in here. Christians do not contact ceremonial defilement by eating foods which the law of Moses branded as unclean. Amen. That's good stuff right there. Verse 15, Romans 14. So when we think of non-essentials to the Christian faith, what should be the first thing that comes up as far as navigating the Bible? It's going to be Romans chapter 14, beloved. I want you to remember where scripture is to know what topics you can find in different chapters and passages in the Bible. And this is going to be one component of it right here in your learning and and learning to be a more resourceful navigator and communicator to share with others of the word of our Lord. Romans 14, non-essentials. Verse 15, but if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Don't destroy your brother and don't destroy the peace among brothers on things that are not essential to salvation. Verse 16, let not then your good be evil spoken of for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Notice, when somebody's acceptable to God, who are we to judge them? If somebody's living in sin, especially the soul damning sins, we know they are not going to be accepted of God if they don't repent. So we prayerfully seek to restore them in the spirit of meekness, bearing one another's burdens, and so fulfilling the law of Christ, Galatians 6, 1 and 2, and making sure there's no logs in our own eyes, Matthew 7, 1 through 5. In fact, let me just say this right here, that if you see an actual sin, a soul damning sin in another person's life, if you've got sin that you don't have victory over in your own life, we know this one thing because God doesn't change and he'll never contradict his word. He's not sending you to go correct anybody else because you haven't corrected yourself yet. In fact, if you do such, he calls you a hypocrite. He says you get the logs out of your own eye before you try to go get a splinter out of somebody else's. In other words, God wants us to deal with our own sin in number one priority. The sin that should concern me the most would be my own, not yours or anybody else's. But brother, they're in trouble. Yeah, and so are you. You which are spiritual, you're walking in the spirit. You can be used to restore a brother. Only those who are walking in the spirit and living as unto the Lord in an abiding fellowship with Christ and the Father full of the Holy Ghost. That's the kind of person God's going to use to bring restoration to other believers and correction that brings them back to their rightful place in Christ. So if you're living in sin, there's only one person's sins you should be dealing with, and it's yours, not anybody else's. So God wants you to repent afresh 
allow him to refresh you, to go on a fast, to overcome. The only reason why you're not overcoming is because the Savior is being crucified out of your life because you're allowing the God of self to reign and you need to repent. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus. If you die in that sin, you're going to be irrevocably cast into eternal damnation. Verse 19, Romans 14, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things therewith one may edify another. I always get concerned when I see people that are correction intensive, if you will. They want to correct others, but yet the same person I noticed through the years, these same people sometimes, and I know we're all growing. We've probably all done this ourselves. It's interesting how those same people aren't edifying the body of Christ. They don't have the love of God flowing out of their life through daily communion with him who is love. And they're not edifying, encouraging, exhorting, admonishing, etc. the body of Christ. But oh, they're quick to correct the people. That's out of order, folks. If we're not walking in the love of Christ toward his body and serving God, by serving his body, we have no business trying to correct anybody else because we have some things God wants to do in our lives. And everything that God wants to do is going to operate through the cross, the death, burial, and raising up of the believer in the power of the Holy Spirit as he is in the posture of death and burial, resigning himself. Like Paul said, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. Colossians 3, 3, the Apostle Paul also said, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, the sentence of death in ourselves, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. Don't you know that God raises from the dead the believers who are obeying him and assuming the death and burial posture that Jesus calls us to. In fact, Jesus never said to try. Jesus said to die. Amen. Well, I'm trying. No, it ain't about you trying. It's about you dying. Let go and let God. You're going to be amazed what happens when you get out of the way, not only in your personal life, and that's really where it starts, but in the lives of others, as we're learning about here in Romans 14, as we learn to fellowship correctly in kingdom order, if you will, God's a house of orderliness, if you will. He told Titus to set things in order. I believe it was Titus. So let us therefore follow after the things, verse 19 of what? Romans 14, there you go. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Glory to God for being able to edify the body of Christ. Verse 20, for meat, notice, for meat, destroy not the work of God. Meat represents a non-essential. For non-essentials or meat, do not destroy the work of God in another person's life. Don't argue about it. If it's not essential to their salvation, let them be in that matter. That's where their conscience is at this time, and it may be different than where yours is. Then he says, all things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. And of this truth, one writer says this, God is doing a work in the life of each one of his children. It is frightening to think of hindering that work in the life of a weak believer over such secondary matters or non-essential matters as food, drink, or days that people observe. For the child of God, he continues, all foods are now clean, but it would be wrong for him to eat any specific food if in doing so he would offend a brother or stumble him in his Christian walk. That's another aspect here. Again, verse 24, meat or non-essentials, secondary issues as this 
writer notes, for me to destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. Then he says, it is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. So if eating pork is going to offend a brother, and you know it, or drinking a glass of wine with your wife at a dinner, just don't do it. Some people would take exception to that. The Bible never said you can't drink a glass of wine. That's a whole nother message. But if you want more info on that, let me know. And I'm not saying let's go out and all get involved in all that stuff. But he's noting that here is a non-essential. Verse 21, one writer says, it is a thousand times better to refrain from meat or wine or anything else than to offend a brother or cause him to decline spiritually. In other words, if it offends him, if you know it, it's going to offend him. If you're not sure, it's probably to be better to be safe and not do it. Giving up our legitimate rights is a small price to pay for the care of one who is weak, that is, for the body of Christ. Again, let me read that again, verse 20 and 21, as we move through this chapter. Romans 14, for me, destroy not the work of God. Do not destroy God's working in a person's life as God is working in all of his people with something that's not essential. All things are indeed pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So as far as the weak brother is concerned, it is wrong for him to eat anything about which he has consciousness or conscientious, I should say, scruples. His eating is not an act of faith. That is, he has a bad conscience about it, and it is a sin to violate one's own conscience. It is true that a person's conscience is not infallible guide. It must be educated by the word of God, as we said earlier. But one man, Merrill Unger, who wrote a Bible commentary, said, Paul lays down the law that a man should follow his conscience, even though it be weak. Otherwise, moral personality would be destroyed, unquote. In conclusion, remember, saints, that if you choose to stay away from something that is not named as a sin in God's word, that's your God-given liberty. And he told us not to judge others for non-essentials or how they choose to exercise their God-given liberty in non-essentials. Again, this is all in Romans 14. That's our main text in this message, which I want to encourage you again to read that for yourself prayerfully and learn the truth communicated by the Lord in this chapter to us as his people, not only as individuals, but as a body. Many issues arise among believers concerning non-essentials. Just what are the essentials of the faith. We talked about this earlier. Therefore, what things are non-essential to believers? You've got to get that in your heart and mind and understand that eating pork is not going to damn somebody's soul. Uh, going to church on Saturday, fellowship and taking that day as a rest day is not going to damn somebody's soul. Now, if they are making a, that a salvation issue, then they're a heretic. That's another issue. Like the Seventh-day Adventists, which are not saved and other groups. If they make these non-essentials, and not a lot of the Hebrew roots people make Saturday, they don't know Christ because Saturday didn't walk on water. Saturday didn't open blinded eyes. Saturday didn't 
heal the sick. The Savior did all that. We worship him, not a day he made. So you can look up Hebrew roots or Judaizing devils category on the drop-down menu on safeguardyoursoul.com. It's loaded with info on that topic. God gives each and every believer individual liberty and the non-essentials according to Romans 14. These are part of the in-house order of rules, if you will, of God's people. Never destroy the work of God that he's doing in someone's life for something that is not essential, beloved, to their salvation. God bless you, friends. Glad we had these times together. And may the Lord multiply his grace and peace to each of us in Jesus Christ, in the knowledge of Christ, as we look for his soon return. Amen. Hello, Saints. Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not, in Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.